Oh, all right, well, it's, um, it is so good to be with you uh, this morning. I've already said that, I know, but I just really, really wanted to say that I've been quite excited about uh, the last week and, and everything that's happened. It's been quite a busy week, um, and uh, it's been a really encouraging week because I, I've got the real sense of GPC just being uh, the, living out its Christ-centered community-ness. I don't know if that's how you put it, but being a Christ-centered community and living that out. That's the long way to say it. Um, You know, we had a number of things that made this week busy. Obviously, uh, on Thursday, we had such a celebration of um, Alan's life. Uh, Alan Bottomley, uh, such an amazingly godly man. Um, I was just so inspired by the stories of his life and of his faithfulness. Um, there were so many aspects that encouraged me. And I think we should be encouraged by the stories of the faithful who have gone before us, uh, shouldn't we? Uh, Alan was a man who passionately believed in the gospel and that it was the only way to live life to the fullest, to have eternal life, and that Jesus was the one who would truly save people. Uh, someone was saying to me, he'd always say, you know, how are you going with God, brother? You know, how are you going, sister? You know, that real sense of a, a deep spiritual concern for other people. What, a, what an amazing man uh, to have been in our church and to have laid the foundations for us to continue to build on. And to see also, I think, that faith that was passed down to his grandchildren. It was the testimony of his grandchildren saying, you know, granddad, uh, Woody as they called him, you know, was just so pivotal in forming my faith. Uh, all, all three of his grandchildren just, just said that. And what an amazing testimony that is to a faithful man of God. Um, and, you know, what more could we want than to have uh, our children and our grandchildren take on the faith um, that we've passed down and taught to them? Uh, such an amazing celebration uh, of Alan's life. But the second part that was just really exciting for me about being a Christ-centered community was the way in which so many people at GPC got around John and and the family and really supported them uh, to celebrate Alan's life. Uh, The generous way in which so many people supported through providing refreshments uh, for the the function afterwards, uh, flowers, uh, serving tea and coffee, tidying up afterwards. There's so many ways that people served and showed expressions of love uh, and responding um, to the faith of Alan and, and the, the faith that God had placed in his life um, to encourage us as well. If obviously, having the refurbishments, you know, that, that's sort of looking at Alan as, as someone who's gone before us and in a sense are looking at the past, but also looking to the future. And that GPC is committed to being a church in this community into the future and reaching people for the gospel, for Jesus. And as we think about the refurbishment and sprucing up this place a little bit, you know, it's just not so we can say we've got a great church building. It's not so we can say, oh, look at, look at the paint and the chairs and all of that stuff. But it is a tool for the gospel ministry that we want to see happen in this place isn't it? It's, it's an exciting opportunity for us to really show hospitality to those people who would walk through the door so that they can not only hear the gospel preached, not only to see the community that's around them, but feel the hospitality, hospitality and hospitableness of the community, welcoming them. And I'm, I'm not going so well with my words here this morning, am I? Um, it's not good when you're a preacher. Um, 
But, but you know, th- 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 we're looking to the future as well. And the ongoing gospel ministry that Christ is calling us to and the impact that we're making here in this community. Um, you know, there's the past, there's um, the future. But also last night, um, I don't know who, 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 if you were there, but, um, you know, 50 or 60 or so people met for a family quiz night. <laughs> what a celebration. And, and it, it might go, you might go, what, what on earth is gospel celebration, the ministry? What? You know, truly being a community of Christ. You know, there were people from the youngest to... Um, I won't say the oldest, but getting up there, um, in, involved in, in last night, a real sense of community, of gathering, of fun, of celebration, of joy, all these dis- different aspects that should make up the community of God's people. All three of these things throughout the week showing, um, showing me you know, that we are a community in, in, its, in the real genuine sense of that word. We're a group of people who love one another, who enjoy living life together, celebrating together, who have hopes for the future together and our life together. And that's what Christ's calling us to. That's what the kingdom of God and living it out now is about. And we are each a part of that. We have each the opportunity to be a blessing to the community. Uh, We are people who are going to mourn together, to celebrate together, to have fun and joy and laughter together, to love and support one another. And we're tied together, not because we've got a common interest, not because uh, we're looking for some mutual payoff in the future, but because we are tied together by the good news of Jesus Christ. That Jesus has loved us so much that he's washed us and cleansed us from everything that would hold us back from truly living life to the fullest. He's gotten rid of the fear that we would have in life, the fear of death, so that we can face the whole of life completely fear-free. He's taken away the fear of rejection, the fear of what others would think of us. He's taken away the need for approval from people around us, the guilt over our past, perhaps the regrets of bad decisions that we've made, broken relationships, ruined families, careers that haven't gone how we wanted, all washed away. As Jesus calls our name and says, I've taken that shame, I've taken that guilt, I've taken that sin, I've taken your hate, your anger, your brokenness. As far as the east is from the west, so now it is from you, and it is from my side as well. Walk in freedom. Walk in grace. Walk in my love. That's what holds us together as a community. That's what we share in common. And, that, and, and that's what matters. In that moment when we meet Jesus at the foot of the cross and we hear those words of affirmation and love and that call on our life, nothing else matters, does it? When the one who holds life in his hand calls us and says, I love you, come walk with me, 
Nothing else matters. And I want to say all of this because as we've gone through the story of the Bible, if we've gone through the story of God's people, we've come to the part where the Holy Spirit has been given, where the church has been charged with going to declare this good news to the world, that in Jesus Christ there is freedom and life and only in Him. And we saw how this happened through Acts, how the, the church started in Jerusalem and through the apostles at, and, and those who heard the message, it spread out to the surrounding nations and then eventually through Paul's missionary journeys to the world around it, to across the, the Roman Empire. And what we saw was this great courage and strength and boldness from the church to live out their faith and to proclaim it boldly in words and action to their neighbours, to their family, to all those who they came into contact with in the marketplace. They were to proclaim with boldness and courage what Jesus had done for them. And of course, it was news about what had been done. That's the, the differentiation between Christianity and all other religions of the world. It's not what you should do to earn salvation. It's what Christ has done to get salvation for you. Will you trust in that? And they declared it. And the church grew. And despite persecutions, people believed. And they didn't stop living out this faith. In fact, they gained more courage and more boldness. And of course, history will tell us that 400 years later, the Roman Empire was Christian. And of course, though, the takeaway for us, isn't it? We too must be bold. We too must be courageous in our proclamation. We too must be sacrificial in the way that we live our lives for the kingdom of God. If we truly believe Jesus is the one and only way to fullness of life and true life and eternal life, we should have every urgency in our sharing of that faith, in our proclamation of the gospel, in those God-filled conversations that Malcolm was talking about earlier. But what we see in the New Testament, and particularly in the letters, is that as the apostles went around preaching and teaching and evangelizing and bringing people to know Jesus as Lord, they would go and they'd, they'd put elders and leaders in charge of a church in a specific area, and then they'd move on, and they'd plant another church. And when they had planted that church sufficiently, they'd institute more leaders and elders and, and keep going. But they didn't just leave them to go, all right, boat into the ocean, off you go, good luck, all the best. They wrote letters. And that's what most of our New Testament is made up of. Letters of... Actually, I haven't looked that up. I don't know. I'm just thinking on the, off the top of my head with Acts and the four Gospels. It might not be most of our New Testament. Half our New Testament. Let's go with that. Um, uh, you know, are letters from the apostles who planted the churches uh, to encourage and teach and guide them on their way as they figured out what it meant to be the people of God. And this is really important, I think, for us. And, and I, I want to bring it to the point of encouragement. Right? We need encouragement. We need encouragement for our faith. We need encouragement and guidance for how we are to live out our faith in the world in which we find ourselves. I need encouragement 
I've got this, this book here. That's a little, it's a scrapbook. You can tell because it says scrapbook on the front. Um, and, and in this, I've got all sorts of letters and cards and, and things that I've been given over, um, over the years. I've even got a photo of me doing a wedding. At some stage, I look terribly young and funny, but that's beside the point. Um, and I get this out every now and then. I just have a little peruse over it um, because I, I want to encourage myself because I, I can get down and I can be disheartened at, at the way maybe I've done a sermon on a Sunday or I've I don't know, something's happened during the week, and, and I need some encouragement. But I, the reason I started this was because I, I started it at my first parish, and, um, where I was the curate, and I spent a heck of a lot of time doing stuff that I didn't think was ministry. I spent a lot of time um, doing weddings and funerals. It was really the main point of this. It was a beautiful church, and lots and lots of people would come and um, want to have their their weddings and their funerals, and they had nothing to do with the church. And I kept thinking, what about God's people? God's people need building up. But I eventually started to collect these letters because, um, because they were actually an encouragement to me of the gospel ministry that I was doing. Good morning, Chris. I didn't get a chance to tell you yesterday how much I really enjoyed your sermon. My brother and his family are coming to carols at the church. This is a massive step for them. They are not churchgoers. They believe in God. They don't go to church. I am blessed and pray that as Peter and I come on the journey with Christ, they will eventually come to the services too. They were encouraged to meet you. They really enjoyed you. They met Bishop Ross when he married us, and they followed him with interest. We tell them all that is happening at the church. We continue to pray for them. They are very supportive. They are coming to two services next year, we continue to pray for them and for you and the ministry we hope you have. Warmest regards to you and Rebecca. Thank you so much for the way in which you conducted our son's wedding last Saturday. You struck an excellent balance between reverent and relaxed, which was entirely appropriate. I would also like to congratulate you on your address. Thank you. I appreciated the way in which you tied the two readings together. I admired the way in which you managed to communicate a serious message about Christian marriage in a manner that was easily received by both non- and pre-Christians who, who attended. All of the feedback is positive, and we commend you for your ministry at St. Mark's. May you continue in this ministry, and may God bring blessings to you in the future. Best wishes, Susan. And for me... Small letters like that were encouragement of things that I didn't know was happening. The way in which God was working in my ministry and in my life. And I bet the same's true for you. I'm not reading that so I can get big ups. But I want to say the same is true for you. Your family, your friends, your colleagues are watching you. You're part of a church family. Together, we are doing great things for God. And this is what the New Testament letters show me. The New Testament letters were written by the apostles using the technology of their day to encourage the churches for what they were doing. They're a way to deliver messages and to remind people 
of the promises they had made to God to encourage people in the steps that they had already taken, to persevere in the ministry that they had, and to continue in the faith that was passed down to them. If we had to open our... Oh, sorry. If we go to um, that Colossians reading that Ralph read to us, we see the nature of letters in this. Paul, uh, in, in, verses, in verse 16... When this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the churches of Laodicea, and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. Be encouraged. Pass this letter on so that our church in Laodicea can be encouraged. Paul uses it to deliver a personal message to his friend Archippus. Verse 17. Tell Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. Don't know what that means. Archippus does. He should be encouraged. Think about the encouragement that Paul writes when he says, My fellow prisoner greets you, Mark, the author of our gospel. He also says Epaphras. Epaphras was the one who, part, who planted the church in, Coloss- in Colossae. Epaphras, who was one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in, your prayers, or in his prayers. The encouragement that the one who planted the church is constantly struggling in prayer for them. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you. Luke, the, the author of the Gospel of Luke. So we've got the author of Mark, we've got the author of the Gospel of Luke here, and they're sending their greetings to the church. These great pillars of the church, they send out their greetings to you. Imagine being in fledgling church and hearing that these are the people who have you on their heart who have you on your mind, who are encouraging you and who are praying for you and toiling for you in the ministry that they have. I, Paul, the apostle whom they have all no doubt heard of, write this greeting to you in my own hand. Remember to pray for me, and grace be with you as well. The letters in our New Testament are ways in which the church encouraged one another. They built one another up. But it wasn't just uh, for that as well. It was all, different, all sorts of different things. If we open our letter to the Ephesians, chapter 1, and in fact, not just chapter 1, sorry, if you just open the, the letter, there are, my, my um, Bible has about four different chapters open uh, when I, I read it and just open it like this. And there, there's, on the front here, there's a thanksgiving prayer. Now, Paul doesn't just launch into a whole bunch of theological statements. He gives thanks and he prays for the church. He reminds them in verses 3 and 4 that they've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. In chapter 2, he reminds them of the old life that they had and how different their life is now. Once they were dead in their trespasses, but now they are alive in Christ. He prays for them again in the end of chapter 3 for spiritual strength. He prays, he, he encourages them to be united in their mission in chapter 4. He reminds them that they're one in Christ Jesus. He reminds them that they were chosen before the foundation of the world and so they can stand secure in their faith because God holds them in their faith. All just across two pages of one letter that I can just open and read like that and be encouraged. 
But he also says that we need the whole armor of God, doesn't he? He reminds, uses it to remind them that this is not just knowledge, but it's a spiritual battle. We need the whole armor of God to put on. In Galatians, the Spirit manifests itself in outward fruit as well. Love, joy, patience, peace, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. Encourages them to be assured in their salvation. He encourages them in Galatians that of the quality in the family of God. 3.16, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male or female. For all are one in Christ Jesus. Be encouraged, church. Maybe there's some things that needed correcting. In Corinthians, Paul writes harshly to them. Maybe your behavior, sorry, he says to the Corinthians, your behavior has become embarrassing so that even those of the world are embarrassed by it. He encourages them to live lives worthy of Christ. Do not abuse the grace and forgiveness of Christ. Maybe you need to be reminded to clothe yourself with love, like he tells the Colossians. In Philippians chapter, two, uh, chapter 4, he reminds the two, two ladies at the end there to, be, uh, to, to work out their differences, to be reconciled with one another. Philippians chapter 3, he tells them what really matters in your faith. It's not the things that you've done, but it's the surpassing knowledge of knowing Jesus Christ. All other things are rubbish compared to that, he says. In Hebrews, he says, you don't, Paul doesn't, the author says, don't keep making sacrifices. Don't keep thinking that you need to keep working your way to God. In chapter 10, for Christ has made the one perfect sacrifice once and for all and perfected all those who are being sanctified. You don't need to keep coming up for an altar call. You don't keep, need to keep giving your life to Jesus. It's been done once and for all. Now live in the freedom and grace the author to the Hebrew says. But then also in Corinthians chapter 1, chapter 8, how do we work out the problems that we're facing in the world? Food sacrificed to idols. How do we engage with the gospel and the issues of our day and live faithfully in the world, faithfully to Christ, but faithfully uh, as people who are engaged and um, connected with the world as well? And that's just Paul. Peter declares in his letters who the church is. Be encouraged. He says, you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are God's possession, a chosen people, a people bought at a price. John, the apostle, loves love. The nature of God is light and love. The primacy of the church is love. Be assured through the love of God. Be perfected in God's love. Have the assurance of God's Spirit in your hearts that will bring to fullness the love of God which is in you. A question for you is what letter do you need? Paul or Peter or John was going to write you a letter. What would it be? What would they encourage you for? What would they give thanks to God for? 
your steadfast faith, endurance, your boldness, your prayer life, passing on of your faith to your family, the unceasing joy that you have no matter what life brings your way, your radical generosity. They give thanks. They also say, I want you to know. What do you need to hear? Most of us know what we need to hear. Often we just need someone else to tell it to us. But what do you need to hear? That God's chosen you. That it may seem hard, life may seem hard now, but God has you in his hand and has had you in his heart from eternity past. That you need to grow the love of Jesus that you first felt when you came to believe. That the knowledge you have is nothing unless you have love. You need to hear that you need to strive for unity with brothers or sisters who you're in conflict with. There's always that wonderful sentence or wonderful word in the letters, therefore, or in light of what I have just said, what encouragement would God have for you? Keep on persevering. Run the race that is before you. Or maybe it's a change the way you. Consider how you remember certain people. In light of these, do not be afraid. And then finally, the blessing. The final prayer. And so, what blessing do you need? To believe the things that you've been told. To rely on the Spirit of God to lead you. To know the height and depth and width and breadth of God's love. To know that Christ has cleansed you from all your sin. To know that you don't need to do anything to earn God's love because he already loves you. And so, what do you need to hear? Kai, I wonder if you could... Uh, come to the, the piano and just play for a little bit as Becky um, and perhaps a couple of others can, can pass out a little template for you. In the next couple of minutes, what letter would Paul write to you? What letter would John, who's all about love, write to you? What do you know that you need to hear? encourage you to spend two or three minutes filling this out maybe make some notes take it away and fill it out and think about it and pray about it over the week
encourage you to take um, that away with you, you and um, to, to reflect on that and pray about that and to really listen to what God would be saying to you. Can I also encourage you to use this as a template for encouraging others? Each of us need encouragement. Each of us need to be spurred on in whatever situation of life we find ourselves not just the apostles who can do that as brothers and sisters in the family of Christ we can do that as well can we pray dear God I give you thanks for this family for GPC the brothers and sisters you've called together to be your people I love you love one another Lord God, we want you to know that we desire to do your will. We want to follow your Spirit's leading in this church, in our lives, and in the community. And so therefore, God, we ask that you would speak to us. Speak to us with a clear voice. direction so God would you continue to bless us continue to be with us in your name we pray Amen